0: Well, hey everyone, Pastor Steven here, and I wanna thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word.
1: Well, good morning and Happy New Year to all of you. I know some of you have seen that uh, video before. I've played it a couple of other times and it's one of my favorite. I I love that as God is able to reverse the thinking in our minds and in our hearts. This uh, This message today, is one that I did not intend on preaching. I really uh, had a different message all lined up, ready to go, but uh, woke up about 5.30 this morning and just decided I needed to change things and do things different. So we're going to see how this goes today and where we go today. The title of the message today is The Only Resolution That Matters. Um, Before we get started, I I do want to make just a quick announcement, uh, just a a moment of celebration. Um, My wife, uh, Jennifer, and I, on Tuesday, we going to be celebrating 30 years of marriage and um, I know I know you're probably thinking, how in the world you 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 can't possibly be that old? Um, and we were young when we got married, and uh, it's just I, I'm blessed with looking young, and I hope that that's the way it is when I'm 80 that I still look uh, I still look young. Uh, the Lord has also blessed us with six children uh, during that 30 years of marriage, and uh, some of you may be wondering what uh, you know, how in the world could you have six children? How could you do something like that? And I'll give you the answer. The reason we have six children is because my wife can't keep her hands off of me. That's the reason we have six children. I just say, honey, please, no, I, I, I just want to cuddle, and she said, you know, I'm not a piece of meat, and... Uh, we are blessed to have six children and blessed that God has given us life together. Uh, we, have, we have an interesting um, thing in our relationship and that is that uh, Jennifer and I have known each other since we were in the sixth grade. So we grew up uh, almost next, next door to each other. We were, she was almost the girl next door, went through high school together, and uh, just been blessed to have her as a a life partner. And um, we are going to be taking a trip. We're leaving tomorrow just to get away and just spend some time together. Uh, The two of us, we're going to go lay on a beach and uh, just enjoy um, being able to be together. And I've had people say, well, aren't you scared? Aren't you fearful of going out to, you know, out? Aren't you fearful of leaving? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Um, The world's system is to hold captive captive people through fear. I choose not to play along and be a part of the world's system. And and I think that that's a good message for all of us, that the world tries to hold you captive through fear and through intimidation, and it's up to you to choose whether or not you're going to play into the system or whether you'll say, I will not be held captive by the world's way of thinking. Well, today, uh, this message... The only resolution that matters, again, this is just something that hit me early in the morning, uh, this morning, and and I was thinking about a typical New Year's Day or New Year's, the first Sunday in the New Year, uh, the typical message is something along the lines of, uh, you know, of starting over. It's typically along the lines of uh, your best year ever or a do-over or a new purpose or a radical year or new beginnings or Reset. That's the typical message that happens on a New Year's Sunday the first Sunday in the new year, or one of the messages, and in fact, I preached a message a couple of years ago talking about no looking back, and and that's another one of those typical kind of messages that you think of when you think of the first Sunday in the new year. This no looking back reminded me of a story that I had heard. The story was of an 80-year-old man, and this 80-year-old man had just gone to the car dealership, and he bought a convertible Corvette. This was in Florida. It was sunny, and he was so excited about this purchase, he bought the Corvette, he drove it off of the lot, he had the top down, he was feeling the sun, he was feeling the wind blowing against what little hair he had left, and as he was going down the interstate, he realized he was going all of a sudden 90 miles an hour. A state trooper pulled up behind him, started flashing his lights, and instinctively, this old man stepped on the accelerator and started going even faster. All of a sudden, now he was at 100, 110, 120 on the interstate with the trooper behind him. He came to his senses and realized, wait a second, I, need to, I can't be doing this. I need to pull over. He pulled over along the side of the road. The trooper came up behind him, stopped, got out of his car, walked up to the driver and said, look, it's, it, it, I've only got 15 minutes left in my shift. It's a Friday. If you can give me an excuse that I've never heard before, I will let you go. The man looked at him and said, well, Several years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. I thought maybe you were bringing her back. <clears throat> no looking back, no looking. I know it's kind of corny, whatever. All right. You know, I've heard of one guy that was in particular very, very wise on the resolution side, and I don't know if any of you make resolutions after the first of the year, but this guy realized he's never going to keep the resolutions that he's made, so he decided and made a few resolutions that he could possibly keep this year. He resolved he was going to gain weight. He resolved he was gonna stop exercising. He was gonna read less, watch more TV, give less money to charity, and never again make uh, New Year's resolutions. Maybe that's how you've approached New Year's this day. We need to look at a resolution. And there's one resolution in the Bible that really struck me in the middle of the night, and that was this one resolution out of Ephesians chapter four that really matters. I am not an optimist by nature. I am not optimistic about 2021. I'm not a pessimist either. I'm not somebody who is overly optimistic ever or overly pessimistic ever. I'm more of a realist, but I'm a realist with hope. A realist to see what's really going on yet have hope in the midst of that toward Christ that Christ is the one that gives us hope in all things in 2021 I am not optimistic in the least I know a lot of people have felt very good about turning the corner getting out of 2020 and stepping into 2021 but I firmly believe that it's going to be even worse I'm not saying that based upon any evidence or any prophetic statement that God has given me. I'm not saying it on any uh, dream that God has given me. It's just looking at the overall picture, being a realist of what is going on. And I look at the world and I think that the world is absolutely a mess and our country is absolutely a mess. There has been an extreme shift that has taken place into an ideology and a belief system that is entirely against God's word. entirely against God's standards. There has been an attack in our country that has really mirrored what has happened in the world and the attack that has happened in our country has been leveled at the family. It has been leveled at life. It has been leveled at the church. It has been leveled against freedoms that we have enjoyed. That is not going to go away. It is only going to get worse. Things are only going to get more and more difficult. I believe in what we have talked about in the end time series, that persecution is coming and it is here and it is going to ramp up and intensify even more. It's going to start with a lot of shame and ridicule that will be leveled against people. If you don't march in line, if you don't do exactly what we tell you to do, we will shame you, we will ridicule you, we will cancel you any way possible. That shame and ridicule is going to move into laws in the land that are going to take hold and take place, and that is going to eventually lead to more and more violence. I was particularly discouraged this past couple of weeks as I've read a few of the headlines, and I wanna share a couple of those with you so that you can be just as discouraged as I am. That's my job, not to encourage you, but to discourage you. One of the stories that I read just yesterday that the proposed new house of representatives in Washington DC, the house rules, are seeking to erase any gender terms, any gender pronouns that are used as part of their rules-based system. They have, the speaker of the house and the rules committee chairman have decided that they're going to remove pronouns and familial relational uh, relationships in the house rules. So here's what they're going to do. They're going to strike out the words of father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-sister, grandson, and granddaughter. You can no longer use those if you're following the rules of the House of Representatives if that gets passed. Instead, those terms are going to be replaced with these words, you can use the word parent, child, sibling, parents' sibling, first cousin, siblings' child, spouse, parent-in-law, child-in-law, sibling-in-law, step-parent, step-child, step-sibling, half-sibling, and grandchild. You cannot refer to any term that would refer to any gender whatsoever. Now, if a law passes that they're going to be responsible for, how long until that law is passed down to the rest of the country? You will have shame and ridicule, then you will have laws that will get changed, and then you will see violence taking place more and more. A couple examples of violence that I want to give you. Just a couple of weeks ago, in fact, it happened on my daughter's birthday on December 17th. A man who was in a hospital in California, in Los Angeles, was sharing a room with another man. The man who was there was 82 years old, he was recovering from COVID. They brought another man into the hospital room, 37, also recovering from COVID. The 82-year-old man began to pray out loud, which offended the 37-year-old man so that the 37-year-old man picked up an oxygen bottle and beat the 82-year-old man to death because he was praying out loud. That is the persecution that will come. Things like that will become more and more of the norm, which is why I feel less and less optimistic about 2021 even than I did about 2020. Just yesterday I was reading an article about a journalist. The journalist is a New York Times best-selling author, he is a journalist, and he put out this message, I want to find an anti-masker and beat them to death, you blanking Christians or what Jesus condemns. The attitude and the thought toward Christians, toward people who may disagree with them is unreal. The persecution that will come, the things that we need to be prepared for, the things that we need to pay attention to, those are the reasons that I feel less and less optimistic as we go forward in our society. It's not gonna get better. And we've gotta prepare ourselves Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds that we are willing to stand for Christ no matter what the consequences and no matter what comes our way. And so today, with those cheery thoughts in mind, I wanna give you out of Ephesians chapter four, what I believe is the only resolution that truly matters. And so today, I wanna talk about the past, I want to talk about the present, and I want to talk about the picture that Paul paints in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's pray together, and let's, let's ask for God's blessing on this time. Father, help us to stay committed, though society may crumble. Help us to stay committed to you, though people don't like it. Lord, even though the society is trying to kick you out, to kick you out of the family, to kick you out of life decisions, to kick you out of the church, out of the freedoms within our country, even though those things are coming our way, help us not to lose faith, help us not to be consumed by fear, though that is the message of the day, it seems like everywhere we go, Help us, Lord, not to lose heart, but to stay entirely focused and committed to you. Our decision to follow you matters more than any decision that we will ever make in life. There is nothing more important, Lord, than our trusting and following and walking with you by faith. And so help us to do so. Help us not to lose heart, Help us to understand what your word says, Lord, and help us to walk according to that word here today. pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's jump into the first part of this, and I want to talk to you today about the past. And I want to talk specifically just looking at and walking through the words that the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. This is really not even as much of my commentary as it is just Just really absorbing the words that Paul writes to the Ephesians who may have been going through struggles and difficulties in the same manners that we are. We know that persecution was real. We know that Christians were imprisoned in many different ways. We know that in the Roman Empire, uh, Nero who set the city on fire is what legend says, because he did not like the rules or the architecture or or, or the neighborhoods, he set it on fire in order to create a new system. And he blamed the Christians and the Christians were the ones persecuted. So persecution was real It was going on in the Roman Empire, and this is something that Paul was writing to encourage the Ephesians about. He was talking to them really about understanding who they were in Christ and allowing that knowledge of who they are in Christ to affect every aspect and every area of their lives. He comes to Ephesians chapter four, and Paul says something to them that really is, if you understand or let the words in, it is radical in thinking, and it is the resolution that we are called to make in life as well. And I'm gonna call you to make that same resolution here today, but let's look at the past. So Paul is going to first talk to them about what they were like in the past and what the world around them is like. Let's look at it together, starting in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. You could follow along in your Bibles, on a phone, or on the screen. Here's what Paul says. He says, so I tell you this. Indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. So he's saying, look, I insist. You have to understand this. You have to know this. You have to take hold of this. I insist on this. There are no compromises. This is bottom line resolution time. This is what I insist on. Walk no longer as the pagans do, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. Since they are past feeling, they have turned themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of immorality with greed for more. Let me try to explain to you what Paul is telling them. He's describing what the world around them was like. He was saying, look, you Christians in Ephesus, you are the light amongst a major city of darkness. Darkness is all around you in the city and in the country. And you are a source of light. You are a, a piece of light that is there in a world that is chaotic. Now, here's what the world around them was like. People were walking and doing whatever they wanted to do, living according to their own ways of life, full of debauchery, full of selfish desires, full of lustful desires. They were not following God. They did not think the things of God. They thought anti-God in many different cases. Paul says this. He says it was the futility of their thinking. The word futility of thinking means they were perverse. They had perverse ideas, they had perverse thoughts, they were depraved, and they were devoid of any truth. The idea of being perverse is they believed a lie and they held on to that lie and they let that lie govern their lives. Now, does that sound at all familiar to our world today? The world has bought into a lie and they want you to buy into the lie. And if you don't buy into the lie and if you don't follow them in line, then you're going to be punished, you're gonna be shamed, you're gonna be ridiculed, you're gonna be maybe persecuted because you did not buy into the lie that the world is living by. That's futility of mind. They were futile in their mind, they were darkened. Darkened just means they were devoid of light. They did not have the light in them. They weren't willing to even think of the light or follow what God says. They were darkened in their understanding. They couldn't get it. They weren't understanding what it was. They were past feeling. What does it mean that they were past feeling? it means that they just did not care anymore. There was no level of sympathy or empathy. It will come to a point in the world where one person can be killed and everybody else will stand around applauding. There will be no compassion, no sympathy, no empathy, no feeling. And they turn themselves over to indecency, for the practice of every kind of immorality. Do you know what the words indecency for the practice of every kind of immorality are referring to? It's referring to sexual sin. Sexual sin had become the norm. Temple prostitution in the worship of, uh, of their gods, the common practice of things that were depraved became the norm of the society If you don't go along with the norm of society, then it's not them who has the problem, it's you who have the problem. That is what is going on in our world. The sexual sin, the sexual immorality that is happening in our world around us has become so perverse that to buy into that is to buy into the world's system. But not only was it sexual immorality, it was full of greed. Again, think of the world today, think of our society today. Who are the ones that are held up as the norms? Who are the ones that preach to us about what good moral and good ethics are? Well, it's the TV, it's actors and actresses and media and entertainment and sports and politics. They're the ones that are determining what morality is today and what they are determining is identical to what Paul was referencing. Our society is full of people who are futile in their thinking, who are darkened in their understanding, who are alienated from the life of God, meaning we have separated ourselves from God. We don't care anymore because of the ignorance that we have because of the hardness that is in the heart. The hardness of heart is really the fundamental problem of all of it. It's not so much the mind, it is the heart. When Christ comes into your life, he softens your heart, he opens your heart, and when his his spirit opens your heart, it changes your mind, it changes the way that you think. But when your heart is dark, and the spirit of God is not there, your mind will stay depraved. It will stay focused on what the world's system is, a hard heart, which makes you unfeeling, uncaring, willing to practice every kind of sexual immorality you can think of, being greedy and wanting more and more for yourself. That is what Paul says the past was like. And now he's gonna say some things about us. He's gonna say, you know what? That's who we were. Do you know that that whole list is who I was? It's who you were, if you're honest with yourself. And for some of you, it may be who you are today. So Paul says, here's the past. Let's look, though, at the present. What is the present? And here's what Paul is going to go on to say in the next section here of Ephesians. Here is the present. He says, however... That word, however, is such a critical turning point in the word. However, this is not you anymore. However, you did not learn Messiah this way. Meaning, that's who you were, but it's not who you are today. And then he throws this key word in there, if. If indeed you have heard him and were taught in him. As truth is in Jesus, Yeshua. If you were like this, that was your past, you could honestly say that's what I was like if you heard of him and you received him and you've been taught by him. But if you have never received him, if you've never heard of him, if you've never been taught by him, then your past is your present. The past that we just described is your present reality if you have not received him. How does your life change? It changes through receiving Jesus in my heart. My heart opens. My heart changes. When my heart changes, my mind changes. And when my mind changes, all of my action and all of my reality changes as well. So he says, look, if you have heard of him, this was your past If you heard of him, and if you've received him, and if you've been taught in him, and if you have understood that the truth is in Messiah, that it is in Yeshua, it is in Jesus. So he says this, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self, corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is Paul saying? Paul is giving a reference and a metaphor that is really phenomenal. He says, in reference to your former manner of life, put it aside, take it off, and put on the new manner of life, the new self. That idea is literally the taking off of clothing and the putting on of new clothing. So I wanna give you this little analogy, and I want you to think of this just for yourself. Picture yourself in this way, just do a little imagining here. Some of you, this, this happens, so this is not an imagination thing. Some of you can identify with this, but others can't. Let's say this, you were in prison. You're sitting in prison, you're sitting in a jail cell. You can't go anywhere. There are no freedoms. You're locked behind bars, and even down to the clothing that you wear. The clothing is not the clothing that you would choose because the orange outfit that you're given is not really flattering to your figure. It's not what you would choose, but it is the clothing that you're dressed in. You're sitting in jail. You're imprisoned. You're in the orange clothing. That's the old self. We are enslaved by sin. We have been enslaved. We are believing a lie, enslaved by sin, and we are held in prison, wearing these old clothes. And most of us just don't even realize it. Jesus comes along. He says, would you let me come into your life? If you do, I will give you a new heart and a new life. He opens the jail cell He gives you a brand new set of clothes to wear. You take off the orange jumpsuit, you put on the new clothes, you walk out of the jail cell and you walk in the newness of life. That's what Paul is using as the analogy. In reference to your former manner of life, step out of the jail. Quit being imprisoned by what you have been trapped by your entire life. Take the prison garments off Put the new garments on and walk in the newness of life. Put on the new self. Take off the old self. Now, the new self, look what it says, the final line. This is the resolution. The new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So so you know what he's saying? The new self is holy. No longer... Can you be content being unholy, unrighteous, depraved, walking the way that the rest of the world walks? Instead, open the jail cell, put on the new clothes, clothe yourself with holiness, and start walking in the holiness that God has given you. I want to ask you today... To make a resolution as we begin 2021. And the resolution is this I want to be holy just like God is holy. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to do everything perfectly. It doesn't mean that you're going to never make a mistake again. But there is a desire in your heart to say, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want to be right with God. I don't want to walk in unholiness and unrighteousness anymore. Lay aside the old self, take off off the jail clothes, step out of the jail, out of the prison, put on the new clothes, and start walking in holiness. 1 Peter 1.16, Peter references a verse out of Leviticus chapter 13, which God says, be holy because I am holy. Do you know that God has an expectation? The expectation is because he saved us, that he wants us to walk differently. He wants us to walk in holiness, no longer depraved of mind, no longer greedy, no longer sexually immoral, no longer following after the world's desires. We are now made holy. That is the present. Final thing I want to cover is the past. And I'm going to go, or I'm sorry, the, the picture. And I'm going to go through this rather quickly. The picture is this. What will the new holy life look like? That's the picture. So, so God, if you want me to put aside the old self, step out of the jail, put on the new clothes, what's that going to look like if I live out life? What's, what will it look like in practical reality as I go through life? Well, Paul gives them the picture. And I'm going to go through this quick. Let's read this. Here's what Paul says. So laying aside lying, and each of you speak truth with with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know what holiness looks like? Stop lying. It starts speaking the truth. That's what holiness looks like. Quit lying. How many of you are habitually lying? Even just being dishonest, what you think is just a little white lie, is still lying. So he says, quit lying, speak the truth. Then he says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. So he says, look, be angry, but don't sin. Don't react in your anger. It's okay to have angry thoughts and emotions. You better not do anything with it. Because if you react in your anger, you're sinning. And that is a lack of holiness. So what does holiness look like? speak the truth quit lying be angry but don't sin don't react in your anger don't go let your anger go unresolved if you do you give the devil an opportunity and then he says the one who steals must steal no longer so quit stealing stop stealing instead he must work doing something useful with his own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need so he says look quit lying, speak the truth, be angry but don't sin, stop stealing stealing, share with other people and then how he wraps it up is this way, let no harmful word come out of your mouth but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need so that it gives grace to those who hear it so what is he saying with it here's a picture of holiness, let your words be words that build up, don't Use your words to destroy other people. Do you know, almost every marriage problem would be fixed if a husband and a wife would live by the words that I just read. You wonder, maybe, how did I make it 30 years? Well, I'm very patient with Jennifer. She's very hard, but, you know, I'm very patient. You know why we've been able to make it? not because we've not had arguments or we've not had disagreements or we have not had to put up with some things with each other, but for the most part, we both look for opportunities to say things that will build up and not tear down. Almost every marriage would be repaired if you would just make it your heart's desire that I'm gonna look for opportunities to build my spouse up, to build my children up rather than tear them down. I am guessing that every one of you would sign up for that in a heartbeat. If my husband would just quit saying such hurtful things and start building me up, I would feel great. Or your husband might say, you know, if my wife would just say things that are positive and encouraging to me, building me up, I would love that. Let no harmful word come out of your mouth. Build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The thoughts in the back of my mind are, what can I do that's going to please God? I don't want to hurt God's heart. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So what things can I do in my life that are going to make God say, well done. I am proud of you. Get rid of all bitterness, (coughs) excuse me, and rage and anger and quarreling and slander along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Messiah also forgave you. So he says, look, speak the truth. Don't lie. Be angry, but don't sin. Quit stealing. Share with others Use your words to bless instead of tear down. Don't grieve God. Think of what would hurt God's heart and don't do it. Get rid of all bitterness and anger and slander and rage and quarreling and malice. Get rid of all of that and be kind, be compassionate and be forgiving. You know, there's a lot of people in a new year's time where they think, you know, I want to do that. You may even think about doing that. You may feel like I want to do that. But it takes real courage to actually make the decision to do it. The courage, the idea of courage is this. Courage is the difference between those who want to and those who do. Don't just want to, do In a world that is chaotic, excuse me. in a world that seems like it's a mess, in a world where you're told to step in line and don't make waves, in a world that tells you how you need to think, and all those ways are anti-God, in a world that tells you what you are to believe, in a world that tells you what morality is, it's going to take courage to stand up and say, no, I will follow God I will follow what he says. I will be holy as he is holy. And I don't care what comes my way. I want you to join me in making that kind of uh, resolution. I want to be holy in 2021 for God is holy. And that's the call that he has placed upon our hearts. Let's pray. Father, help us to be holy. Help us to be people of courage. That we would stand up against unholiness and unrighteousness. As we see, Lord, the attacks that are happening on the marriage, the attacks that happen on life, the attacks that happen on the church, the attacks that are happening on our freedoms, Lord, help us to stand up with courage and say enough is enough. To say, no, I will not buy in. I will not conform. I will not let fear consume me. But I will stand in your holiness and trust you every step of the way. For those in this room, Lord, that have never received you, that have never said, Jesus, please come into my life, that right now are still having hearts that are darkened and hard, I prayed that today would be the day where their hearts are softened, where their hearts are opened. As you stand, Lord, at the door of their heart and you're knocking on it right now, saying to them, would you please let me in? Would you please accept me? Would you please follow me? As you stand at the door of their heart and knock, I pray, Father, that they would open the door and say, Jesus, please come in. I know I don't deserve it. I know I have messed up so much. I know, Lord, that I deserve punishment. But I'm asking, Lord, for you to forgive me. Father, for any that are willing to make that commitment, just confirm in their hearts that they are now brand new that their hearts have been opened, that their minds are being changed and that you have brought light into the darkness. Thank you, Father, for meeting with us today. Lord, help us to be holy as you are holy. Help us to not settle for anything less. And if there's anything in our hearts and anything in our minds that are blocking your holiness, remove that. Not only remove it, Lord, but help us to have other people around us that can help us in the process. Father, we thank you for this day. It is in the name of Jesus we pray.
0: Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.